Welcome to the Central Church of Christ podcast. We are located at 3501 Cheviot Avenue, Cincinnati, Ohio. It is our mission to worship and follow Jesus as we love and serve in his name. Come see us sometime at 1030 on a Sunday morning or while we feed the community at the Bread of Life Cafe each Wednesday evening at 530 p.m. We hope that the following message inspires you in some way today. Today we're going to begin our series on the book of Philippians. We're going to study through that. So if you want to write this down, we'll send this out in an email. Uh, My uh, hope for you uh, is this week you will read the book of Philippians one time and that you will read the first chapter of Philippians a few times. That's kind of our uh, homework for the week. Steve gives us homework every week, so that uh, adds to that. Steve's leading a good lesson uh, over spiritual maturity using the, uh, the books of First and Second Timothy, as Paul the mentor shared with Timothy, the young evangelist, how to be a man of God in the world where he lived. So read First and Second Timothy this week, read Philippians this week, and specifically read uh, the first chapter of Philippians a few times. Today, uh, Finley has already read for us from Philippians. Uh, my goal for this sermon is to make it through, I think, three verses in Philippians, so it's a modest goal. And I think we can uh, get there, confident that we uh, can together. Uh, Our theme for this year, as Katie and Aaron shared, is closer. I'll tell you what, if we really, really get into the book of Philippians, if we really uh, jump into the books of 1 and 2 Timothy, you're going to hear a call to get closer to God. You're going to hear His welcome invitation. You're going to get closer to one another because you're going to find out that relationships are the cornerstone of Christianity. We're never meant to do this alone. That's why God made the church. We're supposed to be in community, learning to talk about difficult things, hard things, sinful things, righteous things together. Never degrading one another as we were each created In God's image. Our enemy is not each other. It's evil. It's sinfulness. So we give love and respect, gentleness and kindness to one another as we wrestle with these difficult things of what it means to be a Christian today. And the church is the cornerstone for that. We've got to find ways to talk about every topic. And love each other well. I want to give you this. Uh, I want to give you this um, reference here. Anytime you read anything, it's important to know the background. Extremely important. For example, if you were to go into your daughter's room, you picked up a letter that you had never seen before, and it said, "Dear her name, I love you so much." Oh, I love you. I miss you when you're gone. I can't wait to be with you. All those times that we spent together meant so much to me. And you're thinking, who is this? Who is this talking to my daughter this way? And you look down at the very end and it says, love mom. And everything becomes okay. It's important to ask the W questions anytime you read something. 
You'll miss out so much and you can misunderstand what's being said. You've got to ask the who's, why's, where's, what's, and when's. You have to. To be really faithful to it and to really get the most out of it. So today, one of my personal goals, not only getting through three verses of Philippians, but we're going to try to answer all or most of these questions. Who wrote the book? Or who wrote the letter? Who were the intended recipients? Why and when was the book written? What would the recipients have understood? And what's the context in which the letter or the book was written? We do that naturally, like I said. Nobody is putting Lee Childs, a famous fictional author of the Jack Reacher series, nobody's putting Lee Childs in handcuffs because Jack Reacher kills people almost without emotion. Nobody's going to Lee Child's house and arresting him because in the front of the book it says it's a work of fiction. It's just not true. We know that going in to any Jack Reacher book. This isn't true. So when you read a book of the Bible, it's so important to understand these things so you can understand these things. So not only the W questions, but we want to look at uh, who wrote it. So uh, this book... Uh, like some, not like all, uh, Paul signs it. So where we sign our name on the end of a letter, uh, the tradition of the day was to sign your name at the beginning of the letter. And Paul does that here. Best thought that it was wrote, uh, wrote, written around 60 AD, which is about 30 years after the resurrection and the exaltation of Jesus Christ. So the church had been at it for a few decades. Paul writes this from uh, prison. Uh, he's in prison again. Uh, if you're familiar with the writings of Paul, you know that he was persecuted and a common punishment of his was to be thrown in prison for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Most people think that it was written from Rome. Some people think Ephesus. Uh, let's not quibble, but that's kind of what it is. We don't know, but that's what we think. And the book of Philippians is one of uh, Paul's four prison epistles, which, whatever, fancy way to say letters he wrote while he was locked up. <laughs> Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon are all uh, letters that Paul wrote to a church or to a person uh, while he was in jail. Unlike most of Paul's letters, uh, the book of Philippians is not uh, meant to, to uh, address some massive catastrophe going on at Philippi. Uh, you read some of his other books, it's clear uh, Paul has a laser focus. Like there's some serious issues going on here that we have got to address these things right now, straight up in the face. Not so much with Philippians. Philippians is much more of a thank you note. Now there's some issues that are addressed. There's some specifics that are handled. There's, of course, encouragement uh, encouragements given. Paul uses this opportunity. But the primary purpose of the book of Philippians is to say thank you for a church that's known for its generosity. You read Philippians this week, you're going to find out that the Philippian church, one of their spiritual gifts, one of the things that they were naturally good at was generosity. That's a spiritual gift. Being kind to people. Being, uh, sharing what you have. The Philippians did that naturally. They sent Epaphroditus 
and he's mentioned in this book, with a whole bucket full of goodies for Paul when he was locked up. And the primary purpose for the book of Philippians is to say thank you and I love you and I appreciate you. So it's a little different uh, than a lot of his other uh, books. But the real story of the Philippian church uh, turn, uh, starts in Acts 16. We have uh, Bibles there. Uh, Ellie and Macy and Miley help pass out the Bibles. If you want to turn to Acts chapter 16, you can certainly find it on your, uh, the Bible app on your phone, however you want to get there. But let's look at Acts 16 because this is the genesis of the church in uh, Philippians. Real quickly, we're gonna, I'm going to mention this uh, more specifically towards the end. But I mentioned that the Philippian church was known for its generosity. What a great compliment. And so I want you to ask yourself, your biological family and now your greater church family here, what are you known for? Think about that and let that challenge you and let that kind of marinate in your heart. You and your spouse, you and your kids, you, your parents, whoever, whoever your family is, what are you known for? Oh, you know the, they're so... And a lot of times by our behaviors and our actions, the things that we prioritize, the things we focus on, we can help define what that is. You have a say-so in what you're known for. Same with our church. Here's my personal opinion. Our church has got to be known for being kind. I was, watch, I was looking at some Google reviews recently. You might be surprised that's not something I do often. But I was looking at some Google reviews of our church, and, and you should too. I'm going to reference some of them right now that are not written by people that go to this church. These are people who have interacted with this church but don't go here. I'm going to just not going to quote them, but just general, generalities. Uh, the community is extremely impressed. We're known for Bread of Life Cafe. It's all over the Google reviews. More specifically, we're known for being kind, according to the Google reviews. We're known for our Halloween stuff that we set out there. We're known for just being nice and not being pushy. I like that. We're known that it, it says as, as you come here, it's the most loving group of people you'll ever meet. That's what Google says. Somebody said it. I don't know. Somebody. I don't, and I don't know the people who said those things. But this part about the Philippians being known for their generosity got me thinking about what are we known for. And this is my opinion. We have got to be known for kindness. And all of us have to be hawks on this one. We have to attack unkindness. We have to. You have to say something. We have to address it face-to-face, upfront, lovingly, gently, kindly, respectfully, but we cannot allow unkindness here. Every person who comes here will be treated kindly. No matter if you agree with them or disagree with them, like them or like their choices or like their whatever, 
We will not attack people because people, myself included, you included, are created in God's image and he loves us explicitly. Let's be known as a church that's kind. The Philippian church starts in Acts chapter 2 because Paul is on a second missionary journey. And we can see that uh, it starts out right in the, uh, the first verses of uh, the chapter 16 of Acts where uh, Paul and Silas, uh, they come to uh, Lystra and they meet a family. The, guys, uh, the dad's a Greek, the mom's a Jew, and the son's name's Timothy. And Paul's super impressed with this guy. And this is where we meet Timothy. As they were leaving that, uh, it's hard to see, but it's, so uh, Jerusalem is there uh, to your right. So on the far eastern edge of the Mediterranean Sea, where those red lines start, and you go up through uh, Lebanon and Syria, and then you come into modern day uh, uh, Turkey in that area. And that's where Iconium, Lystra, and Derbe, those three cities that are often mentioned in, 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 uh, in Lystra is where they met uh, Timothy. So it's right on the edge of ancient Asia, and, and Paul thought it'd be a good idea for them to go into Asia. He receives this uh, vision uh, that we know as the Macedonian call uh, to avoid uh, Asia and go uh, straight up. And you can see that kind of wide top arch there, avoiding that uh, ancient Asian area and going right towards Troas and then eventually to the north of the Aegean Sea and now in modern day northern Turkey, or sorry, more, modern day Greece. That's where that is, but that was ancient Macedonia. Do you know that you know a Macedonian? Do you know that you know one? He's one of the kindest people at this church. His name is Jim Rain, second generation Macedonian. That's a good rep in my book, you know, whatever. You want to give a reference, that's a good one. I know a Macedonian for sure. Happy to. So Paul goes, uh, and it's. The Bible uses some interesting language here because it says the Holy Spirit disallowed them or closed the door or blocked them, really, from going to Asia. And that's, to me, that's interesting. Uh, I have to allow for some mystical, unknown things here. I believe that God is three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And that Jesus, when he was resurrected and ascending to heaven, he said, I basically, I can't wait to ascend into heaven because then the Holy Spirit can come and live inside of each of you. It's amazing. Jesus was excited for God's Holy Spirit to dwell inside of us. And so that dwelling spirit of God that lives in me, that lives in you, lived in Paul, and it told him, listen, bro, don't go there, go here. And to his credit, he obeyed. And in verse 9, we see he heads up into the region of Macedonia. Interestingly, when you get into some deep Bible study, in verse 10 of Acts chapter 16, the narrator of the book of Acts most think it's Luke, the gospel writer, also wrote Acts. Uh, there's a we, uh, uh, we, what's that, pronoun? Pronoun? Rachel, thank you. There's a we pronoun that starts being used. So uh, most people think that's when Luke joined the team and they were specifically in Troas. I, I just think that's interesting, you know, being a good Bible student, being able to recognize things like that. The we passages in Acts start in Acts 16, verse 10. So they head up to Philippi. And so what is Philippi known for? Back to our first screen. Let's learn a little background. Philippi was one of those fringe Roman colonies. Rome was way over in uh, western central Italy. And here we have a Roman colony of Philippi 
all the way on you know, the north of GNC in, in modern day Greece. So a common habit of the Roman government was to grant uh, military leaders or military men, as they retired from the Roman military, they would grant them land in these fringe towns. It would help propagate Rome in those areas, also help protect Rome. So in Philippi, we know that it was a prosperous Roman colony. It was named after Philip II, who was the dad of Alexander the Great. It was known for being deeply patriotic and nationalistic in its emperor worship, in its polytheism, and its love for everything Roman. That was the culture of that town. Because there wasn't many Jews there, there wasn't a synagogue there. Those are some basic things that we know about Philippi. It was prosperous. It was highly Roman. Rarely Jewish. No synagogue. And they were very into being Roman. We can see that referenced even in Acts chapter 16 as one of the reasons why Paul and Silas were arrested. So the church begins with this lady named Lydia. And it's kind of funny. I think it's a little ha-ha thing as you read the Bible because where was Paul just disallowed from going? The province of Asia. The very first person he meets and converts in Philippi is an Asian woman. It's super funny to me. That's interesting. She was from like, oh, Lyconia, I'm going to make it up. Anyway, it was in central Turkey where she was from. She was extremely wealthy. She was an expert in the, uh, the dye crafts. And she sold uh, purple, which is crimson cloth. And in that area of Turkey was known for that. Anyway, so after being disallowed from going into Asia, Paul goes to Philippi and meets an Asian woman and converts her and her family uh, he also uh, converted a formerly demon-possessed uh, slave girl and a Roman jailer. Uh, that's, that's really no problem. That's the recipe for starting a church. That's, uh, that's really where we get, you know, kind of our modern-day thinking on how to start a church. Uh, just the point that when God's moving, that, you know, he's got it. Uh, also, uh, very interestingly, uh, I'm thankful that uh, Paul uh, went to Macedonia because it was the very first uh, Christian community planted in, in Eastern Europe. Paul and his Silas and Timothy and Luke helped propagate the gospel in a brand new place. What exciting work that is. And those places still exist. I'm not talking about in a zip code or in a country, but there's people There are people that don't know the love of Jesus, and we can show them. We can plow new fields in uncharted hearts where people haven't experienced the love of Jesus. Be a missionary at home. Be a missionary at work. Be a missionary on the road. Be a missionary on your travels. Be a woman of God. Be a man of God wherever you are and plant the seeds of the gospel. It's exciting work uh, that we see Paul uh, invested in here. Uh, just real uh, quickly, um, 
Oh, let's, let's not spend our time there. Good call. The heart of the gospel is what Finley read to us, or the heart of Philippians is what Finley read to us today. It's, it, it's close to the middle. There's four chapters in Philippians. Okay, give me that. It's kind of in the middle. It's at the heart of the book. Paul writes what we know as the messianic poem, the Messiah poem, the Jesus poem, the Savior poem, the Christ the King poem. And in that poem, he encapsulates beautifully with artistic, memorable words, the life, the death, the resurrection, and the exaltation of Jesus Christ. It's fascinating, and it's worth memorizing. There's your third piece of home. Well, four, really. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give some props to Steve. Read First and Second Timothy. Read Philippians once. Read Philippians 1 a couple of times. And here's the real challenge. Memorize Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 8. You can do it if you want to. This is a verse that we've been working on in youth group. And the rubber meets the road on Monday. Proof's going to be in the pudding. The kids are supposed to come to youth group with this, these verses memorized. So we'll see. Pray for them. Pray for him, for sure. And I'm, I apologize. Aaron, thank you. Uh, did a ton of work trying to get these slides uh, readable. I'll do better uh, not putting so much on slides in the weeks to come and using a different font and making whatever. It's a pain in the neck, and I apologize. And just whatever, forgive me. All right, thank you. Uh, so everything in the letter, uh, one commentator epically says that this messianic poem is the center of gravity. For Philippians, and it really is. Almost every section of the book of Philippians somehow references this messianic poem. And so it's worth learning and it's worth memorizing. And listen to me, it's worth emulating. That's the call of the poem. We see that in that uh, there's very few Old Testament references in the book of Philippians. Can you think of why that is? Why did the writer Paul, writing to this church, not reference the Old Testament very much? Because there weren't a lot of Jews there. One of the very key principles of speaking in public or writing is know your audience. Know your audience. Steve, are you proud of me right now? Thank you, Steve. I expected an amen there, some body language, but I got nothing, so I kind of brought it out myself. Know your audience. Paul obviously knows his audience here because he doesn't reference the Old Testament very much because they probably just don't know it yet. It's not that it's not important. It's not that Paul, this deep, sacred Jew, doesn't love it. But he writes in a way for his people to understand. But in this messianic poem, he references it once explicitly and once by just reference. At the very beginning, he talks about equality with God wasn't something that Jesus even tried to grasp. And you can think of Adam and Eve grasping that fruit, wanting that equality with God. So kind of a nod back to Genesis 1 through 3, some Old Testament references. And then at the very end, where it says, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. That is an explicit reference to the uh, Messianic prophet Isaiah from chapter 45. In verse 23, when the whole world comes to understand that the God of Israel is Lord of all. It's a monumental part of that book. 
And Paul references it here. But those are really the only two Old Testament references in the book. And and now we know why. The other uh, really important part. Oh, man, it's just terrible. Man, I'm going to do better. Uh, One of the really important uh, principles in this Messianic poem is that God calls for all of us. Not calls to all of us, but he calls for all of us. He asks this to be a mind, body, spirit, soul thing. He doesn't want just your brain, what you think. He doesn't want just your muscles, what you can do. He wants that all to work together because Christianity is not an academic exercise alone. And it's not just a philanthropic exercise either. We do what we do because God is who he is and he gets all of us. The Philippians poem here calls us to that, a mind, body, spirit, all in for Jesus, emulating what he's done. Daniel, will you come up? Daniel and I are going to do something fun uh, together. We're going to read, hopefully artistically. You guys can say, ooh. Yeah, Uh, we're hopefully going to read artistically uh, the Messianic poem, uh, Philippians chapter 2, 3 through 11. Come over here with me, brother. Do nothing nothing. out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself... Nothing. Nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Thanks, Bob. Those are fun things that you can do in memorizing Scripture. There's, it doesn't have to be boring. The Bible is never meant to be boring. It's meant to be read and learned and spoken and memorized in community. Let's get down to the end of it here. Kind of some things that caught my attention Uh, while getting ready for this sermon. Here's some things that I thought uh, that really were revealed to me and brought out as I was getting ready to introduce this series that we're going to be going through, Philippians, over the next several months. And the first one is from uh, Acts chapter 16, if you want to look there, specifically in verse 13. This stuck out to me uh, just as much as anything could stick out to anybody. This jumped off of the page like it never had before. I'm going to read this. Acts chapter 16 and verse 13. On the Sabbath, remember they're in Philippi now. It's uh, Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke. They're in this new place. Things are just getting kicked off. They just received the Macedonian call. So they they went modern-day Turkey up and around, avoiding ancient Asia, and now they've landed uh, Troas, all this stuff, and now they're in Philippi, this rich Roman 
outskirts colony where not a lot of Jews exist. Acts 16, 13. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. That word expected catapulted off of the pages for me this week. Absolutely trampolined off of the pages of the Bible. On the Sabbath day, we went down, and they're talking about the Gangites River. It was just south of the town of Philippi. I love that early Christians on the Sabbath went and prayed by a river. That's, I love being a Christian. Just hang out by water all the time. That's good stuff. On the Sabbath, Paul and, and uh, Timothy and Silas and Luke are new to the town. So on the Sabbath day, they went down to the river where they expected to find a place of prayer. And the question that I want to ask you is, what can be expected of a group of Christians? Man, there should be some things. Listen, y'all, this isn't a when you feel like it thing. This is an at all cost, even when it hurts, thing that we're trying to do. There are things that Christians should be expected to do. And Paul's expectations weren't left wanting here because he found Lydia and all her family. And I guarantee this, I guarantee it. It wasn't a conversation in the hotel room for, for uh Paul and Timothy and Silas and Luke. Hey, it's the Sabbath. What are we going to do today? You want to stroll over the Acropolis? You want to go get a hero? Whatever. It wasn't a conversation. They were going to find some Christians and they were going to pray. Because that's what they did. And it wasn't a conversation in Lydia's house. What are we doing today, Mama? We're going to the river. And we're going to pray. I want to put us on this what should Christians be expected to do we've got to stop giving ourselves breaks I'm all for forgiveness and kindness and gentleness I'm all for it but at some time we've got to hold our feet to the fire and say do I actually believe this stuff is God making an impact in my heart so much that my behavior and language is different that my thoughts about people and stuff are different. That the way I treat people and see people and interact with people is different. Listen, y'all, that's a reasonable expectation as you walk along the path of discipleship to actually draw closer to God and we can do it together. We're to do it together. And you might be here and I might be there and that's not even the point is that we're on the path together. It's a reasonable expectation for Christians to be kind. We mentioned that earlier. It's extraordinary in our world, and it should be ordinary here. People should not be shocked by our kindness. Maybe as it compares to wherever else, but not as it compares to Christianity. We should be known for kindness. The Philippian church was known for their generosity. That's a common thing that we should be known for. That I hold my stuff with an open hand. And if it can help somebody, y'all have it. 
And I find ways to use the things that I have and been given by God to aid and help other people. That's an expectation as we walk the path of discipleship. Agreeing on the core principles of Jesus. Listen, y'all, we can't, we can't quibble about is Jesus Christ Lord? Is Jesus Christ Savior? Is the Bible trustworthy? Uh, did Jesus Christ rise from the dead? That's what all of this stuff is based on. Like why, the, Paul says, why are we even here if Jesus didn't raise from the dead? Like, listen, I'll go watch a movie and have a beer if Jesus didn't raise from the dead. Like, what are we doing here? But it matters that he did. It's got to matter to us. These things are expectations for us. That, that word, man, it set my mind going this week. What if we as a group of followers were all on the same page of what's expected of a Christian? And we started working together and not against each other. I'm not saying that we are. Listen, I'm trying to encourage us to do what's right. But what if we were all on the same page? This closer thing, like we'd have that knocked out by the end of this month. And we'd be looking for another theme. And man, as a part of the leadership team, I'd be thrilled. You kidding me? We're already looking for another theme and it's only March 1st? Sweet. Because we've already accomplished this one so well. What are some ways at church that we can get closer? I'll tell you just some corporate things that we've got going on all of the time that all of you are welcome to do at any time. Come to life groups. Come to church. You've obviously taken our invitation on this one. Come to Bible class. Teach a class. That'll help you get closer to other people and closer to God. Host quality time. Sing with the kids. Learn a memory verse this week. Serve in Jesus' name at Bread of Life Cafe. Teach somebody English by using the friend speak in the Gospel of Luke. Call somebody, write somebody, love on somebody, do something for somebody. It's a way that we can get closer. The second and final thing that jumped off the page uh, for me this week was this. Uh, turn to uh, Philippians chapter 1, and this is where we'll close today. I'm going to read the first. Oh, I mean, I totally lied. Shoot. We're only going to get through two verses this week. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. How you introduce somebody matters. Somebody's title matters sometimes. And here Paul explicitly does two unusual things. In most of his letters, he describes himself and introduces himself as Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Here, because the messianic poem is the center of gravity for Philippians and being in God's likeness is at the center of gravity for all of this, humbling ourselves is at the core of this book. Paul doesn't describe himself as an authoritative apostle. He describes himself as a servant. It's important to pick up on those details. And also, you remember I told you that Rome, Rome, uh, Philippi was a, was a deeply Roman, deeply colonized 
emperor worship, polytheistic place. We're going to read about this in Philippians. You can read about it in Acts 16. One of the things that Paul does explicitly, he says he's the servant of Christ Jesus. At the very end, for a punch out, he says, I'm a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. That flies in the face of the emperor being worshipped as the Caesar being God of polytheism that Jesus is the anointed king of all. And he says it explicitly, immediately. May the words of God roll off of our tongues readily. May God bless us with the ability to learn his words and to sink them deep into our hearts so they matter with what we do. Let's pray together. Brooke, come on up, sweet pea.